When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross app, FightfulSelect.com. But hey, you know what? Right now, it's not Fightful Select. Right now, it's just open to the world. Fightful Select viewers are going to get this early. But I decided, because we, we've got a lot of retro reviews in the can, ready to go, I, I wanted to, to let the world know what Fightful Select subscribers get. And considering that we are approaching, or just past, depending on when you're watching this, the 20th anniversary of the quote-unquote first episode of SmackDown in August 1999, I wanted to go back and cover the lost episode, the pilot episode. Not even sure if it's actually even counted in the number now that I look at things. But uh, yeah, you all can subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We have dozens of retro reviews up now from WCW, ECW, WWE, even TNA. We've got a ton of stuff, AWA even. Oh, it was gross. The guy who's been there with me through a lot of those is Mr. Warren Hayes. You can follow him at Mr. Warren Hayes. He does the best review of NXT or NXT UK or 205 Live there is. Warren, how you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And it's uh it was um thank you by the way for the very nice compliments. I, I, I do try. But uh it was it was fun to go back and watch the pilot. I had zero memory of ever seeing it because UPN was just not available in my neck of the woods. It just did not exist. So I have zero memory of it. It was really interesting to go back. We're at peak attitude era. We're at peak Russo. I can't wait to talk about this uh, with you. This was, uh, this was something. Yeah. This was just a few months before Russo would leave. And now it's funny because I remember when SmackDown was being launched and I was maybe 13 years old. And when this 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 uh, pilot aired, you know, the talk was I remember in the Internet sites I would read is, oh, they want to make it more widely available because UPN is free to air all that stuff. It's it's you don't have to have cable. But the thing is, I didn't get it. There were no local UPN stations near me here in Kentucky. There were none. I never got to watch an episode of SmackDown as it happened until like 2004, until we got a local affiliate. And uh, this was more or less a test run. And uh, you got to look at how it went. I mean, WWE filming on Tuesdays going right up against WCW Thunder, kind of giving WCW a little taste of their own medicine, Warren. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Going very much head-to-head competing uh, competing for 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 the mind share and it's interesting when you think about how it's also interesting that they ended up doing another program because you know if if memory serves me correctly according to the the tales uh smackdown was originally pitched as being a divas only show correct and nothing absolutely nothing against women in wrestling, I'm a big proponent. Anyone who follows my work knows that I'm very, very high on on women's wrestling, but it was such a good idea that they decided not to go with Divas exclusive programming at the time because that would have been a train wreck. It would have been real bad. It would have been real bad at that point. Uh, I think the novelty would have worn off way, way quicker and... Like we said, it's not a condemnation on the talent available, but you can only do how they were booked for so long. If this show was that, I don't think we'd be talking about this show right now. Well, I don't we, think we're talking we, twenty years later. We probably we we would be talking about it, but you know, derisively, <laughs> right? Kind we'd be, like we'd be a- referencing it like the AWA lingerie battle royal. Exactly. I was like, remember, remember SmackDown? Remember the Diva show? Yeah, that would have been Which it. had some of the same people on this show that were in that. Uh, now, a few notes here. Dark match before this. Kurt Angle versus Grandmaster Sexay. 
And then they also filmed Shotgun and Super Astros. This was in the New Haven Coliseum in Connecticut. This is a one-hour straight shot along the water from Stamford, Connecticut. A Like a 50-minute train ride. This was really a home game for WWE, so to speak. Like, they were doing this right in their backyard. Hmm. And I'm not even talking, like, New York. I'm talking, like, Connecticut. So uh, that's an interesting note. Uh, UPN had been averaging a 3.7 rating in this spot. No deal had been reached at this point. UPN was set to finalize their schedule three weeks after this. And as we know, it got picked up. WWE would draw a 4.0 rating and a 6.4 share, which was considered a disappointment at the time. But it still dominated WCW Thunder Warren, which did a 2.55 rating. And let's be let let's be frank. At the same time, well, you know, you be Sean, I be Warren. But ah. uh, <laughs> at the time, you know, like UPN was a fledgling station. Like you said, you didn't even have a, a local affiliate until 2004. So whatever they could get to uh, to increase their ratings, because you know, even if it was considered a disappointment, a disappointment in regards to uh, network television, probably. But uh, as far as UPN went. It was probably a big ratings getter. Probably needed that to go and uh, grab some more sponsorships and a little more money in the uh, in the treasury, so that they could build their expansion. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that SmackDown fit perfectly into their their growth strategy at the time. They couldn't have been that disappointed with the ratings. So as, as we talk about shows like this that went up against something else, I often like to reference uh, what they the other show was doing. WCW Thunder on April 29th, 1999, I, I think that's when this episode aired, uh, was doing Kurt Hennig versus Booker T. DQ after about 12 and a half minutes for the WCW TV title. Stevie Ray beating Jerry Flynn in three and a half minutes. Oh my God. Kevin Nash defeating Hack. That is a match that I will go back and watch. The former Sandman in seven minutes. How did that go seven minutes? What did they do for seven minutes? Lots of stalling. Yes. Goldberg <laughs> defeated Ming in five and a half minutes. That sounds fun. Randy Savage with Gorgeous George Medusa and Miss Madness, who all probably would have been plucked if this became a women's show on SmackDown, defeated The Disciple, the former Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And then Diamond Dallas Page retained the WCW World Heavyweight title in a Falls Count Anywhere match to retain the title in 12 minutes. Bam Bam would find some spots here and there in the 90s and got some pretty high-profile matches, Warren. Yeah, he did, uh, and uh, and it, that was good that, that was good for him. I mean, he even worked in ECW, if I'm not mistaken, for a yeah, short time. Yeah, guy first, there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and good for him. I mean, uh, I, you know, I think that ultimately... You know, because of his, uh, because of the direction of his career, ultimately, you know, there. Here, I'm going to posit this to you. You know, I, I know we don't like to put these, like, timestamp these too much, but you know, Samoa Joe's uh, push in WWE since he's been there has been very, very odd. Always positioned yeah. as a very strong guy, but never winning the big matches. You know. I think there's parallels that you can that you can draw with Bam Bam Bigelow, a guy who came up was extremely hot, fantastic big guy who could really work and was credible as a tough guy, but never really got like that really big main event outside of ECW, of course. But hey, he main event at WrestleMania. Never got the <laughs> never got the real big main yeah. event push. That uh, that would have ingrained them really into in, into everyone's minds. You know, I think you really have to be a, a a a wrestling fan to appreciate Bigelow's contributions. Whereas, you know, he could easily have been remembered on the same levels as uh, Ricky Steamboat and, and the like. And we lost him far too soon, uh, forty five years old. But we are going to talk about this WWE SmackDown pilot show. The first thing I noticed is that intro or that intro. Oh, I miss that music. I used to it, play so many video games with that. It was the it, and it still is, in your boy's humble opinion, the best SmackDown intro with all the jump cuts. Man, it was fantastic. I got shivers. Goldust was still on that thing, and that was that was a little weird for me to see because he wasn't he wasn't as as known in this. Uh, 
there there were a lot of things that that I saw on this show and that we kind of talked about off the air. Like I can't believe that happened. And <laughs> like there there are there are like just lines that you could tell that Vince wrote. But uh, before we get into all that, there there were certain aspects of SmackDown that had not been refined yet. The sets had not been differentiated. Instead, we had the raw set with the curtains. Yep. And I, when reviewing this morning, you may have seen the tweet, I said, here's a set that nobody asks for. The curtains, which they use at live events some now, but I remember most from the WWF Attitude game because you could customize the color of the curtains. That's what they did here. They just made them blue. That was a little surreal to see. Yeah, and and, and uh, that's that's a really good observation, especially when you consider when that once uh, SmackDown was picked up, then they went all in with the set change. Then it re- then there really was a difference, even um, uh, in, in uh, just in, 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 in inspiration, where Raw was all about angles and being very angular and square. You know, the the first SmackDown set was it was all about ovals and circles and 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 rounds. So it it, it was it was. Interesting that later on they would go, they they would go uh, a lot more all in on the on the set design to really differentiate both brands. What were you expecting going into this show? I aside aside from knowing, like I told you, I I don't I don't have any memories of of actually having seen the pilot episode, so I don't know exactly what I was going into. I knew that this was the that this was the moment where the corporate ministry became a thing and you know like i said we're at peak attitude era as well so you know i was i was kind of expecting a very attitude era show and that's exactly what we got it sure was like (laughs) the mcmahon's come out and not a lot has changed in 20 years no, because no, it even starts with Sh- Shane is still fi- is still fi- feuding with the baby faces in 2019. <laughs> the, Shane McMahon was all over this show, but here's the thing: God, he was over. He was so over Warren, but he he was also so very one note. Like yeah, he, oh yeah, like, like as much as as much as these days, you know, you know, Sh- Shane on the microphone is. I think he's still very he's best served in small doses. Like I don't think he's as good a mic worker as a lot of people like to assume he is, but back then he was just it was all one note. It was one expression, one tone, one inflection. It, it, it he just lacked a lot of depth, but he was like so young too. Everyone was so young, Sean, except for Vince. Everyone was so young. So if you all remember, this is ahead of the higher power storyline, which makes no sense in the context of this show. Vince is out there trying to be humble, and you can tell that they're just writing it. That they have no idea what they're going going with, with the hindsight of 2020. On Raw, Stephanie McMahon had been kidnapped by The Undertaker. <laughs> and she uncorks a couple of lines, Warren, that you know Vince McMahon wrote. She it was, says, yeah, hey, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 that's fine. You re- read them all. She says, I was stripped of my clothes and then pause for, pause for cheers from the crowd. Oh. Stripped of my clothes. Amazing. And then he goes, she goes, he, he, he kept touching me. Pause for crowd reaction. <laughs> Absolutely. Could you imagine Vince backstage like, yeah, and then you're going to say that he fondled you. Yeah, imagine yeah. this. Imagine Vince backstage, you know, with, with Stephanie, and he's like, don't don't worry, Steph. I, Daddy will write your promo for you. I'll handle it. You just, you just memorize the line. <laughs> Follow <It's>... me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy knows what he's doing, all right? <laughs> oh my god, that's so horrible. He wrote that for. Her. So Shane McMahon was still using Vince's theme at this point and it was incredibly confusing. Yeah. Yes it was. Uh he cuts a promo. This is so soap opera-esque. Like we talk about how bad promos are present day, but this was very soap opera. But the thing is, everybody was about it in that crowd. Shane books Austin and Rock, who had just faced each other at WrestleMania and Backlash against two opponents. 
Triple H volunteers himself up. I like that. Triple H was trying to establish himself as a top heel Warren and him not going, oh, no. Yeah. Him going, hey, I'll take on these two guys that I want to be on that level with. I love that. Well, what, what does it do then? It establishes instant credibility. He lifts his arm. He's like, yeah, hey, boss, I'll do it. Sure, fine, okay. Yeah, instead of cowering away, you know, as as it happens sometimes, you know, where it's like, you're going to face Roman Reigns. And then you have a shot, sort of look of, oh, no, 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 no. This was good for him, and it really did help. This was really, really good stuff. So Undertaker shows up on the Titantron, and I don't know who the hell he's cutting a promo on. I don't know what the hell he's saying. I thought it was Shane, but it's Triple H and The Undertaker versus Austin and The Rock. And really, I don't have anything to say about what The Undertaker said. It was a real big pain in the ass to get where they wanted to go. But my only real note about this is, man, Shane McMahon was such a better talker back then, even though he was one note. Um, yeah, he spoke with a lot more confidence, didn't he? Uh, but, you know, his, his delivery was very, very flat. I'd also like to point out, Sean, I, re-watching this, I think I rekindled a love that I didn't know I had with the Mean Street Posse. Oh, man. I, they were, unque- in my opinion, one of the absolute best... Uh, 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 one of the absolute best ensemble casts that they had in WWE as far as gimmicks go, as far as their role. They they looked like a bunch of pretty boy douchebags. It worked perfectly with the sweater vests and their role was to be the goons, to eat shit, you know, and they did it perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Every... it was so fun to see them again and see them in the roles that they the, that they were in. They they were they were the goons. They were the guys who they were on the front line. They were the first guys in the, to to get messed up. Rodney, Joey Abs, Pete Gas, and you know here's the thing. And then you could start thinking why why does Rodney not have a nickname? Pete Gas, Joey Abs, like Pete Gas sounds like a nickname from a really fun evening that they had at some point. You know, where he did something and it stuck. <laughs> Joey Abs feels like self-promotion. Why doesn't Rodney... Rodney kind of feels like the odd man out here. Why does he not have a nickname? I don't know who the hell Rodney is. And I've not heard from him in decades. I just remember he was the guy that I would always beat the shit out of on the SmackDown video games. Because <laughs> why not? He's expendable. Uh, Pete Gass. You know, these were real buddies of Shane's. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Joey Abs, I mean, maybe they were buddies. I don't know. But if they were buddies, it was because Joey Abs was on WWE TV all the time in 94. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he was he was an enhancement guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's always an enhancement guy at WWE. But he wrestled a lot of people. He wrestled Owen Hart on Wrestling Challenge, King Kong Bundy, Adam Bomb, Mantar, uh, the Blue Twins, Henry Godwin. Uh, all through like 94 and 95, smoking guns. He would uh, team with all kinds of people and just job out. Uh, Ahmed Johnson, like they were all over the place. Uh, they used a lot of the same job guys over and over again. And this was one of those guys. He was, and nobody noticed that that I remember. Like there wasn't anybody that I remember back then going, oh yeah, that's that that guy who was, jobbing Ahmed Johnson for like two years straight on shotgun. Like they, they were able to kind of reinvigorate him. And I mean, he was still ultimately a job guy, but man, this act was so effective as yeah. bad as they may be. Warren, they were so effective. Now that, that their job was to, like I said, was just to be on the front line and eat shit. And that's what they did. And they did it perfectly. And you never expected anything out of them. I don't remember anyone saying, you know, uh, when's Pete Gass's push coming? Split up the Mean Street Posse. Give Rodney a, a singles push. I never heard anyone say that because that that wasn't that wasn't their role, and they were so well defined and clear. And you were supposed to not like them, and you didn't like them. You didn't like them because of their look and because of their ring work. It just everything worked. If they got in shape, they would get indie bookings. Oh, for right sure. Now. Right I, now, they. 
like I think one of them is one of them is a he, he runs a landscaping business. Like they are, they're like they're done, right? They're completely. Well, done. you you always assume people are done, but you just <laughs> never know. Right. You never know what can drag people right back into the fold. And hey, maybe you know I wouldn't hate to see them pop up at like Chikara at King of Trios or something. Wouldn't hate it. That'd be hilarious. Oh man, something surreal that happened. Uh, the Blue Blazer in action. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Now, before this, Val Venus comes out and implies that he's going to bust a nut in somebody. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's This implies, was on UPN. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, imp- implies very very no, strongly. Nobody's busting nuts on UPN, Warren. Nobody. <laughs> Never in the history of UPN did anybody bust a nut. Just uh, obscene. He was hilarious in in this character for this time because he was so just so ridiculously stupid, yeah, so over the top that it was parody. He's after Deborah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett volunteered. He didn't know where Owen or the Blue Blazer was, but then the Blue Blazer shows up and does a fantastic missile drop kick in his cape, which stays on like forever. Warren. Yeah, he even tears it, if I'm not mistaken, and starts tearing apart. He just he just didn't take it off. You know, I don't know if it was oversight or, you know, if Owen was just excited, but uh yeah, it stayed on it stayed on him. It was worrisome. I was like, this is unsafe. Because it's one of these capes that 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 wraps around the wrist. It's not just like uh just not like a neck thing. It it, it was actually tied around his wrists as well as well. So yeah, it was risky. Probably they, hampered some movement. They make those? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, okay. So it will fly out when you spread. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now. I've never really broken down the the technical aspects of capes. Man. Uh, Deborah implies that she's going to get naked to distract Val Venus. And then Val gets kicked in the dick after a fisherman suplex. And Owen wins. Amazing. (laughs) This was so stupid. The... The... In my match ratings, I gave it below par because the the cape worried me so damn much. I was so concerned. Uh, But it landed at a 4.75. Nicole Bad, by the way, you guys can see my ratings guide at the bottom of all my ratings posts. I'm not going to explain it to you guys again. Uh, You all can search that out on your own. But Nicole Bass comes out. And boy, she was after Val, and she was terrible at everything. She was terrible at walking. Yeah, yes. Uh, well, that's pretty much all she could do. She, and you know, I thought it was hilarious that she was basically like, she was basically the Terminator, right? Like Val Venus sees her and he hits the bricks, right? He's like, boom, I'm out of here. But she just like walks after him, you know? So I'm like constantly thinking, you know, that Nicole, Nicole base is just like constantly just beelining for, for Val, but just like keeping her cardio low. Staying very cool and saying to yourself, eventually he's just going to tire out and I'll be there five minutes away and I'll get him. Yeah, but no, she would. Yeah, we, we, you know, we, I've seen her wrestle before. She wasn't good. She wasn't good in this. And it's not even a question of, of her looks or whatever. She just, she just was not, not good. The Blue Blazer cut a promo backstage pretending to not know who Owen Hart was. Miss this guy. And what did he say? Say your prayers, take your vitamins, and drink your milk, is what he said. They God. did a lot of Hogan parodying back in this time, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yes, they did. Yes, a lot they of did. shots at, during a time where Hogan was just largely done. The Big Show defeated Tess. This was a squash, and this version of Tess's music sucks. It is not the iconic Tess theme that I knew and loved, Warren. Nope, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, what more is there to add? You're absolutely right. This is not, I, I didn't know exactly who was coming out. It was, oh, it's test. It wasn't, no, it wasn't the beloved test music for sure. Well, Big Show hit a drop kick. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I didn't expect that. Then followed it up with one of the goddamnedest choke slams you'll ever see. Whoa, this choke slam is amazing. Uh, and, and, and test, test is not a small guy. Oh and, no! And uh, you know, uh, he, Big Show was Big Show was Big Show back then, and he had all he still had all the elements that made him so fantastic in WCW. 
that made him the giant that we were that everyone was in awe where he was doing missile drop kicks at you know and crazy shit that a guy his his size shouldn't be doing and you know we talked about this um a little bit on our valentine's day retro pay-per-view which you should uh review which you guys should go check out but you know i i think in retrospect sean big show's arrival into wwe in his first year was it was incredibly bungled oh it, yeah it was horribly messed up and i didn't realize it until i saw this episode of smackdown and and the and the 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 first official episode of smackdown where i'm like what are they doing with this guy Be, in he he runs in at Valentine's Day Massacre, biggest paper, well, biggest main event that the Attitude Era had to offer. Vince McMahon and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a cage, and he comes in to interfere, but actually causes Austin to win. And it was a surprise. No one no one was expecting Big Show to to show up. He had just been signed away from WCW. This was WWF's biggest acquisition from WCW at the time. They had. It was flipping the script. WCW had been taking all of the WWF guys. Well, finally, Vince gets his hands on the big, sh the giant, who was WCW grown. This was a huge deal and a huge man who still had a lot of upside. They bungled his 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 arrival at uh, Valentine's Day Massacre. I don't understand why he wasn't immediately inserted into the main event. It it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it's wild. And here here's the funny thing: he won a WWF championship that year, but mm -hmm. hardly anybody remembers it. Like I I am in full agreement with you that his first year was bungled. Even though he had a tag team title run with the Undertaker, where they won at SummerSlam, he had a hot whether you liked it or not. It was a hot feud with Big Boss Man, uh, which had plenty of crazy stuff in it. He almost won the Royal Rumble. Some say he probably should have in that first year. He faced Mick Foley at a WrestleMania. He had a great debut. And then 13 months later, he was main eventing WrestleMania. And still, like, I don't know if that speaks more to the abundance of talent that they had. Because he was in a lot of high-profile spots. But, man, the guy was not protected whatsoever despite this match. Um, I, it's one of those things that you can look back on and it's like, man... They, I don't know if they would ever put a title on a new acquisition in like seven, eight months like they did for him. But they, they, I think they could have done a lot more yeah. with Big Show. They could have made him seem more special. Exactly. Just made him seem – I mean he, he, he does a drop kick. He pulls a drop kick. And every, commentary loses their mind. Everybody loses their mind. This was fantastic. But you know what? I One could ponder, one could argue here that the only person who survived the union was Mick Foley, ultimately. <laughs> well, I'm glad you went there. Big Boss Man shows up, starts to pick the bones of Test. Test had left the corporation, and Big Boss Man was not happy about it. But Big Show runs back and makes the save. This is one week before the formation of the Union. Mm -hmm. Ken Shamrock, Mick Foley, Test, and the Big Show. It lasted a whopping month. They would carry around two-by-fours and shit. Uh, what the hell's going on here? That wasn't good. It wasn't good. And as much as I like Mick Foley, I think putting him in a leadership role didn't help. You know? Oh, yeah. Because Mankind was... You know, he was he, he wasn't the uh, the uh, uh, the menacing boiler room dweller anymore. He he was going on full full comedy. We were calling him Mick Foley. You know, he, you know, his his uh, his shoot name was being dropped once in a while. You know, he he wasn't uh, I don't think he was primed for a leadership position. I think that that didn't help. And I know there will be people that are like, oh, but you named off all that stuff Big Show did, and how could that be a bad year? He he didn't win his first three matches. Mm -hmm. He showed up on Raw and got beat by Austin. He lost to Mankind, even though it was a DQ at WrestleMania. It just, it was a backlash. He lost to, to Mankind. I have a retro review of that, where he, I think he cut his hand open, too. So, I mean, within his first month of matches he had already lost three times that's not a great thing 
Nope. That's not something you want out of your, your big giant attraction. Especially, yeah. and especially, like I said, especially since he's such a huge get from WCW, it is, it's, you know, it's a switch, a, a homegrown WCW guy being uh, co-opted by WWF. Like there was, there was an opportunity here that was not seized. I'll tell you one thing that would not be allowed today. That big boss man choke with the nightstick. That ain't flying today. Nope. The Rock comes out. Stone Cold Steve Austin is out. This feels like an event, Warren. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah. When they when they are near each other, I'm like, whoa. And I remember and I see why that's so special. And sometimes when you watch as much wrestling as we do. You might lose sight of how moments like that can. I, I mean, all due respect to Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, they ain't getting that these days. Um, no, um, absolutely not. And I mean these. I mean these two guys individually had all all the heat. Like these guys were, they were over, and you just see them together in in the ring. And I think maybe. Maybe with retrospect, we see it even bigger than what it was at the time. And at the time, it was already huge. There were no, there was no one bigger in wrestling than Austin and The Rock. There, no one. And they just were able to play off each other. It wasn't even a question of, you know, uh, they necessarily had to give each other the rub. You know what I mean? It was just both of them in the ring created electricity, created attention. It was, it, you're right, it was, it was an event to see them there in the, in the ring at the same time. Austin has his smoking skull belt, that's cool to see. He says he's going to barbecue the rock. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Shane McMahon is super over, as mentioned. I don't think he had even been around a year at this point, Warren. Uh, uh, but Yeah. But he brings out The Undertaker. What did you think of this version of The Undertaker's music? Uh... I had forgotten about it <laughs> and it's uh, it, not my favorite uh, yeah definitely not definitely not my favorite um but uh you know the whole the you know ministry undertaker ministry undertaker was was weird you know because you, you you kind of see you kind of see him as one part dead man where he's still very menacing and very dark and brooding but he's trying to talk more he's trying to you know he, he talks more and he's trying to get into a language that's a little more common and not as, you know, just rest in peace, you know, and, and just hitting his cues. So you kind of feel the transition very slow as it may be towards the American badass. We're not there yet. He's not, he's not full of a full on abandoned the, 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 sure. the, 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 the gimmick, but you can feel he's, like we're he's trying to be something. more of a cult leader instead of a dead man. And he was in this weird period where he got hurt a lot over. Yes. Like 90, 98, 99, and then went into uh, his, his new gimmick. The corporate ministry then forms. It's Undertaker, Triple H, Midian, who is former WWF tag team champion Phineas Godwin. He would win the European title. The former King of the Ring, Mabel, who is now Viscera. The Acolytes, which consists of former world champion uh, Farouk Ron Simmons and future world champion Bradshaw, JBL. China, we all know her impact on the business. Big Boss Man, a future Hall of Famer. Paul Bearer and the Mean Street Posse. So lots of guys to eat some ass whoopings there. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and a couple to deliver as well, you know, or at least to give the impression that they can. <laughs> that, that they can. This was, I mean, it was such a weird pairing, the corporate ministry, you know. It just... I mean, to me, it's kind of peak Russo, it, you know, and yet I, where where he's like, well, I have these two. We have these two factions. Why don't we merge them? But one of them is like a a capital a capitalistic 
power-hungry, uh, very business-minded organization. The other one is a bunch of cult freaks. Yeah, 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 we'll put them together. No one will expect it. It's a swerve. <laughs> and it kind of gives one of these swerves where you're like, okay, well, I mean, it's cool that all these guys are together, but the corporate ministry is a it's it's stretching it a little yeah this would only last a, a few months and by august really that was it was all done it was it had last long it, enough it had last long enough yeah for the, they got what they needed out of it i yeah. think oh man then we get d'lo brown defeating drage you want to talk about surreal the blue blazer that's surreal D'Lo Brown facing Draws and seeing him do the move that would later paralyze Draws. That's surreal as well. But I look at Draws, man, I was a fan of Draws's. And if he were around today, you that guy, if you want to talk about a coveted performance center recruit, for sure. Triple H would be like, oh man. <laughs> ah, give me that guy. He would love Draws. Uh, pair him up with Mojo Raleigh. They could mow some sons of bitches down. The first thing I noted, Ivory is with D'Lo, and goddamn, she is ripped. Yeah. That woman is in shape. My God. Now, the funniest part of this is the explanation of why Albert is there. Do you do you know why Albert is there? Um, be- oh, yes, because he's uh, he's Draws's personal tattoo artist. And he was upset that a piercing that he gave to Draws got ripped out by the big boss man on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I didn't get that one. Oh my. Yes. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. It is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, now, here's the thing. Boss man was also heavily involved in this show. And spoiler alert for those of you who are watching that aren't subscribing to Fightful Select, uh, in a sort of commemoration of SmackDown moving to Fox and the 20-year anniversary, we're also going to cover, quote-unquote, episode one of SmackDown on Fightful Select. Make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, it's the lowest tier. But Bossman's heavily involved in that show, too. This was a big-ass year for the big boss man. And, I mean, he wasn't there for this, but he was a part of this. He was the explanation of, why is Albert here? Man, Big Boss Man, underrated glue in WWF in 1999. That's a very interesting observation because he did he did bring a lot of stuff together, but you know, then at the same time there are some there are some things that you sort of you kind of have to question, you know. Oh, oh, I don't mean glue is in a good thing. I just mean as he kept whatever was there together. Oh, no, he I know. whatever he could as good as he could. <laughs> but, I mean, it, 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 absolutely. It's just that if you, even just on storylines, let's say, you know, uh, talking about the glue, like um, corporate ministry is uh, is formed. Big Boss Man was a corporation guy. He could have gone to see Shane McMahon after, you know, after the announcement was made. He's like, Shane, you know, yeah, I, I'm okay with your business savvy. Uh, cool. But, you know, Undertaker tried to kill me. On the pay-per-view a couple of months ago. Like, he strung me up in a cage. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, I mean, I look at Big Boss Man. He's a member of the corporation. He's a member of the corporate ministry. Uh, he faced, didn't he face The Undertaker at WrestleMania in 99? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, he was in the hardcore title picture. He was in the WWF title picture at the end of the year with Big Show. He had that feud with Big Show. And, I mean... Whether you want to say it's good or bad, he had two moments in particular that people still talk about today in the pepper thing and the, the funeral gimmick. And I'm like, man, he was, and not only that, he was part of the introduction of Albert, whose influence is still felt today at the Performance Center, which is just nuts. And how about this? How did he kick off his 1999? Well, he was tag team champions with Ken Shamrock. There you go. Like, so, I mean, this guy did a lot. You could argue that that was, 99 was his biggest year. It's it's just crazy to think about. But this was a, go sorry, ahead. This, it, just very quickly, then at the same time, you know, you hear, you always hear the stories about Ray Trailer when, you know, when the old guys are talking about him. 
They'll always say fantastic things about him, how great a guy he was, how easy he was to work with, how he'd protect everyone, you know, and, and let's be, you know, maybe he was a little past his, uh, his um, big man um, uh, prime at this point, but God damn, Sean, and we've seen, we've seen him on other, uh, other reviews as well. Ray Trailer could go as a big yeah. guy. He was fantastic when he was in his prime. Do you remember his America's Most Wanted appearance in 1999? I do not. Oh, boy. So there was a bank robber who looked very, very similar to Big Boss Man on America's Most Wanted, and they were inundated with hundreds of tips saying, oh, yeah, it's Ray Trailer, and he's going to be here wrestling this night. Oh, my God. Inundated. And the footage is out there. I might repost it on Fightful. I mean, why not? <laughs> and like they have him they 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 went to where he was wrestling and he was like told you that wasn't me like it was <laughs> it was very funny it was good stuff because i mean why not and wwf opened up their doors to america's most wanted because i mean that's the type of publicity you can't really buy it was a huge show back then For but sure. yeah <laughs> another big boss fan highlight in 99 as we talk about this draws D'Lo Brown match that he was a part of in only a uh, look back, but hey, whatever. Uh, you know how much I hate when somebody's shoulders are on the mat and the opponent doesn't pin them. Yes. It pisses me off. And maybe you can chalk that up to inexperience from a character because as I mentioned, these are people playing characters of varying skill sets. Draws did not pin after this power slam and it looked stupid, but seeing D'Lo do that running power bomb was surreal to me. Uh, I'll tell you it was also surreal. That goddamn sky high, that move rules and somebody should be using it today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not as if, it's not as if you have to go back and ask a veteran who's been, who hasn't been wrestling for 17 years for your move. And then he says, no, you, you can just go ahead and use it. Absolutely. No, like you said, no one's using it. No one has a claim on it. Just go ahead. Albert pushes D'Lo off the ropes D'Lo slingshots out, uh, draws out, I think it is. Albert does the press bomb. Mm -hmm. What an impressive move. Forgot all about it. And then, after the beatdown, Ivory runs back and gets Mark Henry, who is returning from injury, and got a great pop. This was cool, seeing them hug and embrace in the ring. This was this was a good moment, Warren. Yeah, it was, it, it was fun to see them all back together. It was nice to see Mark Henry still having a... Uh, still having choice fashion sense in the color of his suits, uh, still going forward to the kind of weird green that he had going fit him just perfectly. This was this was this was absolutely fine, you know. And this it's one of these matches that's really indicative of the Attitude Era, where this is probably outside of the main event one of the longest matches that they had on uh, on the uh, on the show, but lasted just a couple of minutes, maybe four or five minutes tops. The guys worked really, really well. Uh, Draws was a great worker. D'Lo, that goes without question. And um, you emphasized it, but I'm going to... It, it bears being re repeated. It's just surreal to see the spine buster be delivered. and Or the running power bomb. Uh, the running power bomb, excuse me. Um, and it's just... It just shows that sometimes it's it's a fluke. It's just yeah. something really, really stupid and unexpected that happens. And it just, it, it, what eventually happened to Draws was, was purely 100% an accident. WWF Tag Team Championship match. Kane and X-Pac defeated the New Age Outlaws. I adored this match. Kane had been around a year and a half at this point. Mm -hmm. Mega over, but still brand new. X-Pac had only been back a year, over. They work together real well. The New Age Outlaws, of course, are, are good. They won their, their title match by beating Jarrett Noah at the Pape. My first note, uh, Cornette on commentary. I can take him or leave him. Sometimes he's a little too high energy for me. But I love that he still calls X-Pac kid on occasion because it's a nod to the one, two, three kid. So it's a way to acknowledge his old persona without beating it over your head. Mm -hmm. It's like Sean Waltman is the same guy. He's just evolved, and now he's X-Pac, but Cornette recognizes that. Uh, that's the first thing that I noticed. 
And the second, every time X-Pac has a match, I see his spinning kick, and I think it is the best goddamn kick I have ever seen in pro wrestling. It is awesome. And I talked to a certain wrestler at the Performance Center who told me that they were going to take it. And uh, I don't think it ended up working out. I don't know if they could do it quite as well. And then I understand, I think, that Brennan Williams ended up trying to do it. Or at least that's what I understood. But that move, Warren, and Road Dog's punch. I love Road Dog's punch. Do you know why Road Dog's punch always looked so good? Tell me why Road Dog's punch always looked so good. He would go to people and ask them if they would bump for it every single time. And if they would say, yeah, he would do it, and he would always put everything into it. If they said no, he completely eliminated it from the match. And that's why his punch always looked good. And this this match was playing the hits, but I think it was really good. I, th- I, thought, it was, I thought it was really good. Uh, this is, uh, th- it worked really, really well. Um, it's also, you know, great character work, right? And this is one of the hallmarks of, of this era, you know, that a lot of people go back to, but it's true. This is, this is very, very true. Great character work. You know, the new age outlaws have been established for such a long time. X-Pac and Kane were the perfect, uh, oddball pairing. And Kane here was, he was in transition out of his silent monster. He didn't know what he was going to do. He did. And he came across as, you know, socially awkward, you know, like, you know, just like a sociopath, not quite sure how he should be reacting because he was, you know, going after X-Pac a couple of times. But that's that's because it's Kane. Kane was he, he's a maladjusted human, <laughs> basically. So I love that they worked that within the dynamic of the team and it, and it worked out really, really well. It was interesting to see here, you know, the ongoing uh, dissolution of Degeneration X. You know, DX existed uh in anything but its name you know because they were still coming out with the music doing the suck it chants and so on and so forth but dx didn't exist anymore billy gunn was on the cusp of uh of a heel turn which would lead into his 57th uh, singles push i think sean <laughs> something like that uh, i love a good fame master though that's one of my favorite moves a billy gunn fame master yeah one of my favorites yes road dog falls into gun mid body press X-Pac pins him. I just love this. Billy Gunn isn't happy with Road Dog. They team up once more and start feuding. Uh, Billy Gunn actually hunted down X-Pac and attacked him, but Kane would save him. So a little bit of progression there. And Kane and X-Pac would be involved with each other for better or for worse, singles or team, for like a year. Like I think they were, I think they were together in about nine pay-per-view matches over a year. Yeah. Oh, it's it's time. Well, okay. I want to get to. I want to save our main event for after this. <laughs> Hardcore match. Ken Shamrock defeats Bradshaw. I liked Ken Shamrock's backstage promo. It seemed very realistic and very like UFC. Like they went into the locker room and talked to him. He seemed legit here. I liked it. He he always looked legit to me. Like you know, uh, as far as uh, as guys who I I just look at and know that they could snap my neck in two without me even realizing that they're doing it. Ken Shamrock has always been that, and yeah, absolutely, nice nice little show of realism. It was you know I think they I, I think they used Ken Shamrock as much as possible as a character, sort of a more grounded character amongst the larger than life types. Uh, and I think that played to his strengths, but it also ultimately may have been a detriment to him. Um, in, in this era of very huge personalities, you know, uh, Shanra, but th- this was exactly within his wheelhouse. Yeah, and this gimmick would be over big today. A legit guy who just snaps and beats the shit out of everybody. Uh, he Applied a knee bar to Bradshaw. There, there wasn't a lot to really rate here in this match. For for uh, reference, I gave Kane and X-Pac and the Outlaws six and a half out of ten. D'Lo versus Draws a five and a half out of ten. Uh, Big Show and Test was a squash, so I didn't rate it. But was this, uh, the, those front chop blocks, Sean, they scared oh, the shit out of me. Your knee can't bend that way. <laughs> no, no, that was frightening. He did oh. it twice. Well, then Shamrock does a rear naked choke with a damn ball bat. (laughs) Filthy. 
and then snapped on Sergeant Slaughter and beat him up with a bat. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, meanwhile, Mankind is in the boiler room with Kevin Kelly, just chilling. Uh, Mankind cuts a promo, doesn't really say much. We see the corporate ministry backstage in a pretty run-of-the-mill locker room, which I dig. I like the grittiness. Mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff told me in an interview a few months ago that he thinks that WWE production is a little too polished to the point to where it feels like it's lost its unpredictability. I thought this aspect of things was charming. You see like a water bottle on the floor back there. Everything doesn't have to be pristine. It's, I mean, why would they want cameras in there anyway? It should be like a camera just kind of rushed in there. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Big Boss Man is out. Uh, It was cool to see him back after he had been featured earlier because these days you're on the show and you're gone. Double arm DDT, but Boss Man runs away only for Tess to throw him back in. Big show two. Mankind wins with a quick mandible claw. And this is this is uh, the union being formed. Uh, uh, not officially, but do you remember <laughs> their their official full name? I'm glad you brought that up. Their official name is the Union of People You Ought to Respect, Son, also known as Up Yours. <laughs> Oh, God, I love it. I love it. This is amazing. So let's get to it. The real main event. No, it's not Triple H and The Undertaker versus The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Brood is out for an interview. And, man, I just want to preface this by saying Gangrel is one of the nicest people I've ever talked to in wrestling. I even tell a story about how a little bit of my childhood was killed when I get a text message from him with a smiley face that says, LMAO. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> him. He cut one of the worst promos I have ever seen in my life, Warren. I don't know what he said, but I know that here and there he went, ha! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and oh, especially boy. especially the setup, you know, where you have Doc Hendricks in the middle of the ring. I mean, it becomes clear why he's wearing beige, peach, some kind of off salmon color. I'm not quite sure how you call it, like from head to toe matching. But, you know, uh, you know, the basis of this promo was to explain that they're they they've been basically they're they're cast off from the corporate ministry. They're not a part of the ministry anymore. They were, you know, they're not a part of the big the 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 big group. Now they're their own thing. But oh, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to put a, a microphone in front of Gangrel other than just, "Hey, he's the leader. He has to talk." It was <gasps> awkward, man, and Christian didn't talk and I I would say easily Christian was the best talker of all three of them. Hey, on this night, Christian was the best talker of all three of them because he didn't say anything. <laughs> Edge's promo is so bad, but here's the thing I noticed. You could hear pockets of, like, teenage girls screaming in the audience. When, when Edge took his, his took his sunglasses off. <sighs> yes. It, it, it was wild. It was really, really wild. <laughs> and you could tell... you. you Edge delivered his lines with more intent and charisma and yes. logic <laughs> than what Gangrel did, but he was reading lines. He was he was reciting his lines. You could tell that it was just coming out of memory, and it was just a little too a little too goofy here. The funniest part is the point of this is to get Edge on the mic, and the second point is. Let all this audience know that we're acknowledging that Doc Hendrick is Michael Hayes. So they'll go, but you know that, don't you? Michael. (laughs) (laughs) And then they beat down Michael, but Jim Cornette is trying to give Michael Hayes life story. Oh my God, it's Michael Hayes. He's one of the fabulous Freebirds. He was in WCW for quite a while in WA as well. I'm one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. What's going on here? <laughs> Jeez. 
he busts an aneurysm trying to do it. Yeah, because we're talking about lifestyle. You know, Doc Hendricks was like, you know, your your lifestyle is weird. That's why they started talking about Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes actually accuses them. He says, "What? I don't know what you guys are smoking." Yeah, and I'm like, Jesus, coming from Michael Hayes? Nah. Hey, hey couple things that aren't happening on UPN. Ain't nobody busting nuts and nobody smoking anything. No, that's for sure. I think I think I think this this is like the first time in the history of the world that Michael Hayes was concerned about what someone else was smoking. <laughs> oh, we get the bloodbath. You know what's up. Tag team main event. Uh, Jim Cornette used the term cahoots about three hundred times here. This was also an overused term, if you remember, about uh, eight months before that, when the Undertaker and Kane were. In cahoots. I had never heard the term cahoots before I started listening to professional wrestling, Sean. It's such a Vinceism, yeah. for sure. Uh, we hear no chance in hell for about the 30th time. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, for all the, the flack that Tony Schiavone got for the greatest night in the history of our sport, you could tell that Michael Cole was fed the line, perhaps the greatest tag team match in WWF history. I think that was him. I think it was Michael Cole. Mm -hmm. And it was not. I mean, it had a lot of star power. It sure did. But damn. The Rock gets beaten down and glass shatters. This was the perfect way to start this match, Warren. And you know what I liked is that he gets beat down. Yeah, because he comes out alone. Because they established right earlier on that Rock and Mankind. And uh, Rock and, sorry, and Austin. Austin, They don't like each other. They don't need each other. So Rock comes out first, and yes, he gets double teamed. He gets the shit kicked out of him. And I'm sitting there saying, why isn't Austin coming out? It took a while. So I'm figuring, I'm seeing Steve Austin, of course, in kayfabe, in gorilla position, you know, and and you have people around him going, Steve, Rock is being beat out. It's time for you. And and Steve goes, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, Wait a couple of more seconds. Steve, he's be. You're gonna lose the match. Like he might be taken out. No, no, no. Just wait a bit more. A bit more. Oh, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, like Sean, he's just hanging on. He's just, he's like, no, let the Rock eat some shit a bit, and then I'll go in and save the day. And it was great because the Rock was over at this point, and Austin making the save. You got to hit that music because that's gonna get the yeah. get the reaction. Uh, he did kind of a lazy Thez press on Taker. Uh, and in modern days, I feel like Rock and Austin would have teamed together like six times on the way to the WrestleMania match or something. <laughs> but this is just four super over people existing and not really a match taking place. Corporate ministry is here. The union is here. Vince is here. And he punches Shane and then takes a goddamn filthy chair shot from Taker. This was gnarly warren right right on the head right on the cranium completely unprotected no hands up and i mean oh. the, and, and that's the thing right it's like this is the posi- I'm, this is the position that that vince mcmahon would always put himself in and then after that when vince asks you as a wrestler to take a chair shot to the head what are you going to say sean the boss yeah. takes the chair shots to the head the the boss blades in hell in a cell or in a cage, he falls off of it through a commentary table. Are you going to tell the boss that you're going to not, you're not going to take the bump? Oh. Jesus. Austin hits, gets up and stuns all the people he needs to stuns. And that's, that, that's his rap. Corporate ministry night one got their comeuppance. Shocker. It didn't, there was no long term here. Now it, the, the shit does not make sense because Vince would be revealed as the higher power and he's eating chair shots and he's fighting Shane. They had no clue what was going on. Do you know who the original pitch to be the higher power was? Um, go ahead. I think I do remember, but I can't the remember. The fallen angel, Christopher, yes, Christopher Daniels, Daniels. That's right. Who probably would have been much better. That was the pilot episode of SmackDown. Reminder, guys. Dozens of retro reviews over at FightfulSelect.com. Uh, Fightful Select subscribers got this early, even though I'm putting it out there for Fightful members. All in all, this was a very 
interesting episode of SmackDown. I don't know if I'd call it good, but it was a watch. And like I said, when I don't have to worry about what happens next week, I can enjoy wrestling a little bit more, Warren. <laughs> this was, it was all of WWE's biggest hits. You got all the characters, you got the big stars in the ring at the same time. It was to show UPN that, you know, the audience knows these people, they get reactions. There was nothing that, was, uh, that wasn't uh, crafted for UPN executives that night. You, you can even say that even at some point, you can even say that the, the involvement of sexuality towards the women was very, very toned down. When Deborah opened up her, her, um, her vest to show off her boobs during the match, the camera was behind her. Yes. You know, as opposed to on Raw, where we'd be getting, Jesus, we'd be right in the middle of her cleavage. Sable wasn't on the show. They were they, they mentioned her. They said that, you know, she she was very busy, you know, uh, doing uh, uh, photo shoots, whatever. But she wasn't there. So the whole, you know, that part, the more raunchy aspect wasn't there. But everything else was perfectly attitude era. 24 minutes of wrestling, Sean, and a two-hour show. I mean, if you're going to pilot, if, you, if you're going to pilot your attitude era, WWF show, that's it right there. Reminder, follow Warren at Mr. Warren Hayes. Follow me at Sean Ross at, but subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Drop a comment, your favorite part, your least favorite part of this April 26, 1999 pilot episode of SmackDown. Until next time, guys, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.